Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom by celebrating the diverse and their accomplishments. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today, Allie, I forgot to ask you how to say your name. <laughs> I figured that was going to come. Uh, Kazmuhai. It's almost like there's no C at the end. Kazmuhai. Or in the middle, I guess. Okay, so that's that's all of our tutorials. <laughs> today, I am joined by Allison Kuzmuhai. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you. I One time... There have actually been a couple of times where I have mispronounced someone's name when I've introduced, and it was the most mortifying thing. So thank you for your graciousness. It's one of those last names that's like Polish, but not really Polish, and no one really knows how to say it. So I feel like you have guidelines with last names, and mine just doesn't really abide by it. So So yeah, it's Kazmuha. It's not really, you know, it's just weird. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Thank you. I'm good. So who are you? So I am Ali Kazmuha, as we saw. <laughs> um, I am editor-in-chief of The App Factor, which I founded in uh, August with my partner, Terry Lyles. Uh, he kind of handles the, the development side of things. Like, basically, I just kind of tell him I don't like this or I do like this or I want this to do this. And then he either tells me I'm crazy or that he can do that. And then I handle all of the content side from um, all of our writers to planning content, things of that nature. Um, Before at Factor, I was a senior editor for iMore for five years. God, that was a really long time. That's a long time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was with iMore for five years as a senior editor. Uh, I ran all of their help and how to and their app coverage. So when Leanna Lofty left, uh, a couple years back, I took over apps and it just kind of stayed that way. Like we never really got another app person. So I just did both. Um, so yeah, and I really, when I left, I I really wanted to find a way to help developers put value behind their apps. And one thing that I don't really see a lot of sites doing is that because I feel like it's app announcements, you know, here's a new app, go grab this. But I feel like to get people to actually buy apps, you have to show them why they're valuable and why they fit into their workflow. I think Federico Vitici and a couple other people are really great at doing that, but everyone kind of has their own little niche. And I wanted the app factor to kind of be a place for all developers. So, so far we've gotten really good feedback. We're a really new site, but it's, it's been really good so far. So I'm excited for 2016. We've got some video content and a lot of other things we're going to start doing coming up. Um, and the flip side of that, I also do a lot of consulting in tech. Um, so my main job is I work for a company called eTech Parts. We are the largest supplier of mobile parts in North America. Uh, So that's parts for use with iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch, Android, things of that nature. Um, I do content strategy, marketing. Um, I'm kind of like a gopher, I guess you could say. I don't really know what my title is. It started off kind of as like a project manager. And I'm not really that. So like my, my partner always tells me, you need to come up with like a canned speech of what you do. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what to say because I do so many things. So I do everything from helping them with SEO on their site to, you know, planning content to marketing material to pretty much all kinds of stuff. We're trying to kind of figure out where I fit in, which has kind of been a fun role, but I like it. I like doing different things and I feel like it keeps my mind busy. It's always an adventure. You never quite know what the day is going to look like. 
Yeah, yeah. And I work remotely. Um, our headquarters are in Kansas City. Well, they're in Olathe, Kansas. No one really knows where that is. So I just say Kansas City because it's about 40 minutes from there. Um, I'm kind of in and out. I do get to travel a little bit. So I am down in Kansas City quite often. But for the most part, I work from home. So it's more of a, you know, a, a remote environment, which kind of makes things a little bit more interesting, I guess. But um, it's it's a very growing industry. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize like how how big like the repair industry is. I mean, people, most people, you know, a lot of people walk into Apple stores to get things fixed, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that walk into repair shops to get that, those things fixed. And it's, it's, it's an industry that's growing at lightning speed. So I'm, I'm very interested to see where the future goes with that. Cause as of right now, it's a very unregulated market. So. And I think that's why I, go to places like the Apple store. Like I try to do manufacturer repairs. I do the same thing with the car. You know, we take, yeah. we probably shouldn't, but we take the car to the dealership to have oil chains, oil changes and regular maintenance and whatever, because I mean, we know that it's going to be more expensive, but we know that it's also going to be, you know, like Toyota parts. Sure. Um, But you know, it's, I don't know, like, it's definitely necessary, especially especially as technology is, you know, more and more part of everything we do. Yeah, well, and a lot of people don't live by an Apple store. And I think part yep. of the reason eTech has sustained themselves, there have been a lot of fly-by-night. Um, and I guess I should preface this with, before I came on with eTech Parts in this role, I owned a repair shop. I owned a local company called Pixel Fix um, for about two years before I sold it to really focus on iMore and just individual consulting. But we did iPhone, iPad, iPod repair, and then um, business consulting for strictly Mac only. So that's how I knew of eTech. And I, I mean, I went through so many different parts suppliers trying to find ones that were, you know, reliable, that I knew had, you know, quality parts. And mm-hmm. what, what, what you consider quality with screens and I won't go any further than that is <laughs> original LCDs that might have aftermarket glass on them. So you're talking original Apple LCDs, original cables with perhaps aftermarket glass, which for all intents and purposes is, is the same thing. But um, so I think eTech has really held a standard of quality that a lot of parts suppliers have not. And I think that's why they managed to sustain as well as they have. So um, we also, I think I think tend to stay on the the good side of not violating like copyright and trademark infringements and you know you'd hear about uh, places getting seized. Well, you know we don't put on iPhone five and earlier. That's why our you know parts don't have the little square on the button because it's Apple has that trademarked. Um, you know our our backs don't have Apple logos on them because we don't want to step on toes there. So there's people that do it the right ways and then there's people that. I guess, get seized. I don't know. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting and it's it's very unregulated from the standpoint that there really are no rules right now. So I, I like that scrappy kind of startup, see what happens kind of environment. So I think I think I fit well there. Well, that's really cool. And it's um, I guess it's obvious that it's a company that you've you're passionate about working for and with and that you've researched, um, which I think makes it even better. Yeah, yeah, there it's and it makes a difference when you work with a group of people that really care about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um and especially being a woman in this industry, it it's it's very different from the standpoint of 
a, a typical woman in tech. I'm not, I'm not a developer, I'm not a programmer. I'm looking at it from like a hardware, you know, procurement, um, you know, standpoint of this is a, this is a brand new industry. So it, it's a little bit different, I think, from that aspect. But I've, I've been lucky enough to be on a great team with a great group of people. Um, app factor is kind of the same thing. So, you know, I've got a, we've got some really great contributors just starting out the gate. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I actually, until you and I kind of met on Twitter, I hadn't heard about the app factor and I guess that makes sense because I think it's probably been about, I don't know, it's been about six months since you started the app factor, August, yeah. October, November, December. Uh, yeah. And I guess I've, I, I became aware of you on there like four or five months ago. So that seems about right. Um, but one of the things that's so hard to do, especially on iOS, which is kind of where I'm embedded, is um, to create complex apps, like very functional apps that um, are easy for people to use. And um, I think that's why the App Factor is such an excellent site, because, you know, you think about apps like Workflow, um, and uh oh gosh like <laughs> i'm trying to there's think of, tons there's so there's so many apps in it there's they can be so complex and even with uh you know when when apple announced like peak and pop for um currently iphone 6s and 6s plus i was like holy moly this makes documentation like it takes documentation to a whole new level of complexity mm-hmm. and um and it's really hard to write about these things and for people to discover them. So I think I think the app factor is an excellent kind of um, resource for people. Um, why? I mean, I know this is kind of the stuff that you were doing at iMore, but why did you decide to branch off on your own? Um, you know, I think that some of that has to do with just, I think, editorial differences. Um, and some of it has to do with just me wanting something different. Um, I think that iMore is a site that's very rounded and very, you know, they want to do a little bit of everything and they might have the manpower to do that. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily think what I wanted to write about going forward was going to align with, with their strategy, if that makes sense. Mm So, you know, for me, and at the end of the day, it was more, there has to be a better way to discuss, like app discovery is broke. Like it's oh, yeah. just flat out broke. I mean, so for me, it's it's interesting to see how things are changing and smaller sites are kind of stepping forward and saying, hey, we're going to fill some of these gaps. You know, I was really excited when they announced Canvas because like the iPad is like a device I desperately want to work from. But they talked about Goodreader in their first episode. And that app has baffled me. Like every time I open that app, I just twitch because I'm like, oh, I don't even know what to do. So I want to be a resource that people can find apps like that and know how to use them because we're not in the days of iOS where we were five years ago where, you know, it's just Apple was gearing towards, we want it to work for everyone and we want it to be simple. iOS is now a productivity powerhouse if you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And if you, I think, have to put in a little bit of a time, it's like the difference between owning a white MacBook and a Mac Pro 10 years ago. You know, you don't buy a Mac Pro to do mundane tasks. You buy a MacBook to do that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we're getting to that level with iPad Pro and, you know, some of the the under the hood things that iOS are bringing to the table. And I feel like that's going to need a lot more discussion surrounded around it than just 
here are apps for the iPad Pro, go get them. So, and I don't feel like that helps developers. And at the end of the day, those are the people that are putting things on these devices that are of use to us. So that's what I really wanted to do with App Factor. Um, I don't think that you can just tell people, here are a bunch of apps for iPad Pro and go use them. Like, you're now getting to the point to where people have to have value. And I think people are developers are going to have to charge for pro apps. So mm-hmm. people are going to need to know that they can pay for those and that they can do what they say they're going to do. So, and I don't feel like just putting out a generic app announcement really has a lot of benefit for me and for, for developers. Um, we're trying to, if you, if you look at app factor on a regular basis, you'll notice that we have zero ads on our site. Um, I did this for a reason since I'm kind of in a position that maybe some people wouldn't be into where App Factor is not my main source of income, nor is it my business partner, Tiri's. This is kind of a side project we did. I still really wanted to write when I took this position with eTech and, you know, it gave me an outlet to do that. And we decided that we were going to find other ways to monetize that don't involve hindering the user experience. So we're monetizing strictly on iTunes, Amazon, affiliate links for products and apps that we love and that we recommend and that we're using on a regular basis. So any of the ads that you see on the site, which we just started doing a couple of weeks ago, those are all native. They're not, there's nothing on there that is something that we're not using. If it's an Amazon product, someone on our staff is using that product and they love it. If it's an app, someone on our staff is using it and they love it. And odds are we've covered it on the site. So we're we're trying to do things in a way that don't involve, you know, plastering people with Google ads or or doing things and doing things in a way that that'll help developers, you know? So I, yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing for me is really trying to help people discover good apps. So what are you using right now? What are your favorite apps for iPhone? Oh boy. Um, the ones that I use most that I think I rely on heavily, um, one password is a huge one for me. Um, I used to use, I, there's a lot of text that I have to use regularly that I, you know, have to, you know, copy and paste snippets or do things. I used clips for a long time, but I didn't, I didn't like that. I couldn't edit text with it. Mm -hmm. So I switched recently to copied, which is available on Mac, iPhone, iPad. And like the iCloud sync on that is so fast. Like it's insane how fast it is. So like I can like copy a snippet on my phone or on my Mac and it's instantly available on all of my devices. It's amazing for trolling people with memes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you instantly can like copy something on your iPhone and then it's instantly available on your Mac for iMessage or whatever else you want. So, um, other than that, I think I have kind of, I have app ADD, so I'm always like, and I hate to say this, like I'm not like an app loyalist to any one app. Like if there's something better that fits my needs better, that's what I'm going to use. So, um, I've recently just in the past week, been using Ulysses. I used to be a big Byword fan. So for me, a lot of writing apps are what I tend to center myself around. So copied Ulysses, um, Fantastical is kind of my go-to and then Todoist for tasks. Um, so I think I use a pretty extensive variety of apps. I'm trying to get more into workflow. I've picked up some of Tichi's, you know, workflows. Workflow is still something that's a little bit overwhelming to me. We have a writer on staff, Daniel, that's really, really into workflow, and he writes some really awesome workflow tutorials. Um, I'm not that that bright with workflow. I don't think I don't think I quite know. Yeah, like if someone hands me a workflow, I can use it. But as far as building my own, 
no way. Yeah. So like I end up trolling like Reddit groups for like workflows and most of the time I do find something that, you know, and I guess that's the point, you know, you don't have to necessarily know how to build workflows because they have resources for that. Or you can just seriously troll Tichi on Twitter and he'll, (laughs) you know, tweet out tons of them at some point. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So, you know, I found stuff from other people and I feel like in general, that's how I am with a lot of apps. I find them from community, from things that people are recommending on Twitter, um, what I see there. And then that's, that's where I kind of, I kind of start. Yeah, I don't, I think, um, it's kind of, it's kind of like using automator or, or yeah, like automator on the Mac. I'm like, I know it exists. I know there are things that it can probably do that would make a lot of, a lot of things I do much easier, like resizing screenshots and like that kind of thing. But I look at it and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I don't really back. know why I'm kind of afraid of Automator on Mac, too. And I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I make Photoshop actions and I do other things of that nature, like batch edit things. So I, I don't really know why. And I think some of it's like creature of habit behavior. It, yeah. So I'm trying to kind of break out of some of that. And the iPad Pro has made me do that. So I'm I'm really kind of liking that from that standpoint. Now, if I could only find a keyboard that doesn't suck Mm -hmm. for the iPad Pro, then we'd we'd be on a roll because I just yesterday returned my second one. I had a smart keyboard and I hated it. I think it was all five minutes before I wanted to burn it to the ground. Well, it's got that canvas. I don't like typing on fabric. It's weird. And I don't think if that's like how I the new scissor mechanism is, I don't like it. So I, I don't know. So, so I'll tell I'll tell my iPad Pro story. Um, when it was announced, you know, I I was watching the keynote or the the announcement, and I'm like, I have no interest in this giant iPad. Like, I do not care. I was excited about um, iPhones and peak and pop and like all of those implications of having like a pressure sensor, but. It, a giant iPad. Like I've never been able to fit an iPad into my workflow. And, Me either. You know, there are people I know who who almost exclusively use it. Like Vatici is a, a wonderful example of someone. He almost exclusively uses iPads. Um, I think. Well, he, and I remember him being a little precarious about the iPad Pro because he was concerned about portability and mm-hmm. being able to walk around using it. You know, yep. so I was very interested to see what he was going to say. Yeah. And, but Justin, so my husband is, is a big guy. He's like six, five and you know, it looks proportional for him. And so he was really excited and he ended up getting one and I made fun of him. Like I mercilessly made fun of him for being so excited about the iPad pro. And, um, then my mom came down for Thanksgiving and had her iPad three mm-hmm. and it was just, it was crawling. Like I could, I could see the elves drawing, all the new screens on, you know, it was just so slow. So I was like, okay. So I kind of forced her to take the iPad air two that I had. And I was like, well, crap, now I need an iPad and I'll, I'll be darned if I didn't get an iPad pro because what ended up happening is I kept sneaking Justin's away from him so that I could read comics and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I unboxed mine and I was in the same boat. I was like, that's dumb. I will never use that. But then I started thinking about pro apps and just given what I do with app factor, I'm like, it's probably a good idea that I have one so I can at least, you know, my excuse in my head is keep an eye on apps and what's coming out so I can test things for for quote unquote writing purposes. But really, it was to color on a thousand dollar tablet, pretty much. So my partner, she'll she'll sneak it away sometimes and color with the Apple pencil. And it was kind of strange because everyone else like 
had an iPad Pro and they couldn't find pencils or smart keyboards. And I was the bipolar opposite where one of my friends that works in an Apple store, they just happened to get a shipment. He's like, oh, I got you a pencil and a smart keyboard. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I don't have an iPad Pro. (laughs) I was sitting there with a keyboard and a pencil that I couldn't use. So I love the pencil. I hate the keyboard. I also used the Logitech one. That was garbage. I didn't like that either. So now I'm waiting on a Zag Slimbook to come in and and we'll see if that solves my problems. Yeah, what I've ended up doing in in multitasking is saving it for me like if it weren't for multitasking I wouldn't see a point other than as a very you know nice comic book reader um because I don't like reading book books on it but it's like two iPad airs next to each other yeah yeah so it's great for comic books but um but I'm finding that something I I tend to do is I have a lot of windows open. Like I'm looking at my screens right now and I have, I don't know, I think eight windows visible and I have a ton of apps running, especially when I'm in crunch time. I've got, I've got everything, you know, like I've got everything going when what I really need is to sit down and focus and multitasking is really, really saving, saving me. Like I have my text editor up and I have, you know, Slack or, um, one password or whatever I need open it like a third of the screen and and I can focus and that's been incredible for me yeah I tend to slide over a lot to like grab affiliate links from blank or you know look at notes that I've written down in the notes app or you know just be able to google something quickly and not like because the minute I go to my home screen if I see badges I start clicking on things. Yes. So, and that's why I love my Apple Watch so much. And people are like, you don't really seem to use it. I'm like, no, that's the point. I don't, but I can look at notifications and see if something warrants me picking up my phone. So effectively it keeps me off my phone, which is the, which is what I wanted it for. So like only super important things get to come through to my wrist. And that's, that's kind of like, there have been times with the iPad Pro, I'll zone out with like, you know, do not disturb mode on. Because and I know the Mac has that, but I see I can still see badges in my dock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I get distracted by that. And I and do too. I don't have like a badge OCD. Like it bothers me if they're on my home screen, but I start clicking into things and then I get sucked into Twitter for 30 minutes or, you know, into a discussion there. And then that leads down a rabbit hole. So, yeah, I totally get that from a productivity standpoint. So I've been I ended up buying a smart keyboard mm-hmm. and a cheap like a $10 case for it and an anchor stand um, because the smart keyboard weighs pretty much nothing. It's, I don't know. It's, it's really, really light. I wanted to like it. Yeah. Um, I actually like, I had a MacBook, um, a 12 inch MacBook for a while and I actually really loved the keyboard. So the smart keyboard is actually a pretty good fit for me. Um, but, um, I know a lot of people are like, I don't like the scissors. <laughs> they're, they're, well, this is no I think good. the biggest thing for me was the no shortcut row. And like, to me, that's a huge stumble on Apple's part because mm-hmm. it's not, I'm so used to like, I I did use, I would take my iPad Air all the time to the coffee shop and just, if I needed to hammer out a bunch of words and I could do like embedding and think other things later, I would do that. But I still, you know, I would catch myself like double tapping in the upper left hand corner on the smart keyboard for a home button that wasn't there. So it's like, I just kept like, it's like muscle memory for me because I'm so used to iPad keyboards by now. And just not having that row there, I think, is probably the the quickest thing that threw me off from the smart mm. keyboard. I wanted to like it because I'm so weird about fingerprints on the screen. Yeah. And Ugh. the smart keyboard solves that because it folds over so it doesn't transfer anything from the keys onto the screen. 
So I liked that, but I was so upset when I returned to that. I was, I mean, literally people on Twitter were like, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'm like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't have trouble getting rid of it. I'll say that. So well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good productivity tool. And I think it's something that we'll have a lot to write about. I'm very interesting. I'm very interested in Canvas going forward and what Tichi and Fraser Spears are going to do with that show and what kinds of things I can learn about being productive on my iPad. Cause like you, I, I, up until now, I haven't really been able to fit an iPad has been a toy for me. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been, I, I still prefer, and I still think I have to like almost fight muscle memory, like to pick up my MacBook pro, like when mm-hmm. I'm leaving the house, because that's just the tool I'm used to taking with me. Yeah. When I travel, I'd love to take the pro. Well, I was just going to say, I have a trip coming up at the end of the month and I'm like, well, can I get away with not with just taking the iPad Pro? Because I did it. That would be ideal. Um, but am I going to need Xcode? If I need Xcode when I'm gone, then I'm in trouble. Nope. And so I'm like, do I risk it? Do I just? I think it depends it. on how long the trip is. It's Eleven days. Oh, that's a long time. Mine was two <laughs> nights. I mine yeah. was like a quick in and out to Kansas City for our Christmas party for eTech. So it was like I literally and I needed I had to remind myself, why would I even consider taking a mm-hmm. 630 a.m. flight out of Chicago when it takes me an hour to get to the airport? That was no. dumb. No, but do anyway, that. so I only took my iPad Air for that because I figured it would be a light two days of just meetings and, you know, catching up on different projects. And most of the time when I'm there, like it's like I just get pulled in so many different directions. It's not like I really have time to do busy work. Yeah. So I was like, mm, if I need to look at stuff and it was OK, I just I brought my iPad and I figured if I really need something like everyone works on Macs there. So I could, you know, use someone's computer, but it was okay. I didn't have any problems and I didn't really run into anything. I think one time I had to have a writer like embed an image I was having issues with, but other than that, it was okay. But 11 days, I, my palms would get sweaty. Yeah. I just don't want to deal with the MacBook and the room and the weight and the airport. We act the- like these things are so heavy now. When five years ago, we were like, Oh, a MacBook Air. <laughs> we'll never need anything slimmer than that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, yeah, it could be it could be smaller, but one day we'll be typing on nothing but like a single paned glass and we'll complain about that. Well, then <laughs> it'll have fingerprints. I hope that they're fingerprint retardant because I can't believe that's not a thing yet to be honest. Oh, I have a friend who who puts a matte uh Matt screen protector on all of his devices so that there are no fingerprints. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, no. I'm almost curious if there's a spray for that. Oh, that would be interesting. I wouldn't want to be the one to try it. No. (laughs) But that's like when people, you know, when they came out with that quote unquote spray that could waterproof your device. I'm like, yep, good luck with that. Tell me how it turns out. That that person who put their brand new iPhone in a bowl of water to see how water resistant it was, they can do that. Yeah. I will I will not. Um so I'm actually interested in hearing your thoughts on Apple Watch because hi everybody, this is the Apple Podcast. Um, because um I've actually kind of been thinking about selling mine. You know, I'm not I was a big I did a lot of fitness tracker roundups for iMore, like a lot. I think like I had, um, we did a a yard, my parents subdivision does like a yard sale every year, like a community one. Mm -hmm. 
And everyone like stormed my parents' garage because at one point, like I was like, I need to sell all these fitness trackers. So I hooked up my square reader to my phone and was like, I'll take credit cards. And like, I literally put everything like half price because they were all, you know, review units that I had reviewed that had been sitting in drawers forever. Mm-hmm. Like all day people, do you still have fitness trackers? Do you still oh, have wow. fitness trackers? <laughs> um, from that standpoint, I think Apple is lacking. Um, I think, you know, after using like the up three and, you know, some of the other different Fitbit products and Garmin, especially like I was really, really surprised that they didn't put native GPS in it. But considering the fact that we have to charge it every day, that's annoying. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I feel like for me, it's more of a savior when it comes to notifications. Like I do kind of feel like when I forget it at home, I do catch myself looking for it. But if someone like took it away or well, let's put it this way. If my Apple watch got stolen, I don't know if I would be like, oh, my God, I have to go to an Apple store right now and get one. Mm-hmm. So I think I could probably, you know, number one, I'm cheap. And number two, it's like, mm, OK, well, I'll replace it when I get around to it. So it's great for for what it is, but it's very much a first generation. It's kind of like the first generation iPhone was. You know, it's very limited in what it can do. And a lot of developers have not really developed native apps for it. Mm -hmm. So and I didn't know this until the other day. I read it on Twitter. Apparently, you can tell the difference whether an app is native or not with how the title loads. Oh, I I don't launch apps on it. I guess like if it launches like in the middle of the screen, I don't remember which one it is. I think in the middle, it's a native app. Or it's not an, I don't remember. And then if it loads, no, in the top left, it's a native app. If it loads in the middle, it's, it's like sucking off the watch. Interesting. So like when I load Twitterific, it loads Twitterific, the name in the middle with the little circle icon. But then if I load like the phone app, the name of it's on the top left. Huh. I read that on Twitter. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but... (laughs) Well, Twitter's yeah, always like right. weather is weather is native, and that like loads the little circle icon, but the name is in the top left. App that's in really the air. interesting. Yep, top. Yeah, so I think that's right. If it loads at the top, it's native. If it's in the middle, it's welcome to the Apple Tips podcast. <laughs> Things you didn't know, or maybe you did, and I just didn't know. That could be possible. I didn't too. know. Um, I didn't either. Yeah, and I don't know. Apple Watch is another one of those where it's like discovering apps. Like the experience is weird. Like you have to launch the Apple Watch app to find apps, which I guess kind of makes sense, but that's not how anything else is. And no, I don't know. Apple Watch discovery is weird, and we really haven't covered too much Apple Watch stuff on App Factor. I don't know why. I think I did like one like Apple Watch glances I'm actually using article. <laughs> that was about it. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, I haven't really been that into, like, for me, and maybe it's because the watch for me is a tool that just is a portal to my phone. Mm -hmm. So I don't really look for, like, it's just an information consumption device. It's not, I don't want to fiddle around with Twitter or see how many followers I have or retweets or things. Like, that's pointless to me. I'll pick up my phone for that because it's not something I need to do while I'm walking around the grocery store. Now, Fantastical is excellent on the Apple Watch because I figured out if because I use Fantastical for um, reminders and well, not all of them, but like for simple things like shopping lists, I can easily share with my girlfriend. And, you know, so I'll put a bunch of, you know, shopping items in there as a checklist. And then on my watch... If I have it set to like um, 
when I raise it, the screen turns on and then I have it set to launch to last used app. So when I'm grocery shopping, I can leave that list open and just quickly raise my wrist and tap things off. So for things like that, I've actually grown to really like the watch. And I think I might be upset and want to buy a new one when I go to the grocery store. So because I've gotten so used to doing that, but like little little instances like that make me really like the watch. And then there's just some stuff that like totally doesn't make sense. That's really interesting. I use it mostly for do to tell me when to take my supplements. (laughs) (laughs) I found Um, with do I had to turn it off on my watch because do you get stuck reminders with do? um, I was getting them for a while and that has stopped Maybe they did an update. Maybe, Maybe I'll try it again because I had to turn it off because it kept telling me I had stuck updates and to look at my phone, but then there was nothing there and then it wouldn't clear that from the watch and then I wouldn't get anything else and it would just keep bugging me about the same thing that I actually did four days ago. So I was like, okay. So yeah, I haven't experienced that in a while. Yeah, I use do as well. I use it a lot for um, like little mundane things that are important, but don't need to clutter like to do a stuff so like remembering to take the recycling out or taking an allergy pill or things like that yeah I think I'm gonna start using it for that too um right now it's just like the three times a day when I need to take my my anti-inflammatory supplements but you know it's like uh you know I could I could stop thinking about when the trash really needs to go out that could be helpful but yeah I mean I use it to check the time I use it to glance at the weather you know, and it's one of those things where it's like you forget and then one of you is running out at 6 a.m. because they come like literally at the crack of dawn. So, you know, it's like recycle, trash, um, you know, giving the dogs heart medication once a month, you know, things like that that I just that will easily slip my mind. And then like things that are important, like paying our app factor contributors. So, you know, I, I have that set for like the fifth of every month so we don't forget. So it's basically I use it for recurring stuff and that's about it. Yeah. 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 But other than, yeah, I don't, I don't use it for fitness because, uh, it was really bad when it was released. Like I remember walking around Portland for an hour dripping in sweat and I not getting any exercise credit. Um, like, and I was just like, okay, well, it's better than that now. It is. But now it's almost like I, I, I stroll around the house and I get exercise credit. So I'm like, hmm. Yeah, sometimes I get that notification when you're sitting and it's like, you're almost there. Keep walking. I'm like, pardon? <laughs> Not walking. Okay. I'll take it. Give me an hour. I don't care. So, yeah, yeah it's it's still very much a first gen Apple product. And it it's very it'll be interesting to see how it grows. But depending on what they do this year, I don't know if I'll hop on the second gen bandwagon. You can probably refer me back to this podcast when I buy it, though. So. Yeah, Justin and I had the conversation the other day of uh, what would it take to to upgrade? Um, and it's like, okay, well, thinner. I don't know. Some of the Android Wear watches are really, really nice looking. They're big, but they're they're kind of pretty. They look better. Yeah, and the Apple Watch is just like really utilitarian looking, I think. Um, which well, it is, looks like a first gen iPhone, yeah, smaller. It really does. It really does. It's got it's. It's not got really an attractive timepiece equipment. No. It's, it's not really attractive. Yeah. So so I don't know. I think there'd have to be some pretty major improvements for me to for me to upgrade. But what, I don't want an iPhone comes- 6S on my wrist either, so Yeah. It needs to be something different. I think if it were slimmer, 
Like I hate, I hate to fall down that thinner rabbit hole. Like it doesn't need to be super, super thin, but if if they shaved a couple millimeters off, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it would take for me to, to get a new one. I don't either. I'll let Johnny, I figure that out. Yep. He's pretty good at it typically. So we'll see. We'll see. I thought the Apple watch was kind of nice looking when I bought it, you know, it's like, Ooh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of flashy. And then like, you know, however many months later, I'm like, meh. Yeah. It could be better. So. Yeah. Whereas I look at my, I wore a fossil watch every day <laughs> and I look at that. I still look at that. It's in my drawer and I'm like, oh yeah, that's still pretty. I like that still. So yeah, my partner was like a watch fanatic and you know, I kind of got irritated. I'm like, I'm buying her an Apple watch and then she's not going to wear like the 62 other watches that I've bought her over the past five <laughs> years. So I'm doing this to myself. Why? I don't know. So <laughs> But yeah, she she wears an Apple Watch every day and like I don't the fitness stuff just needs to. And we talked about it on the App Factor podcast a little bit about how um, distance is not accurate on it. Like her and I go for the same walk, like distance is distance. Like the only thing I can think of, it's factoring in like gait and like your your stride because mm-hmm. my partner's 5'11 and I'm 5'7. So it'll say I walked three miles and she walked 2.5. What? we walk the same walk so the only thing i can think of it's factoring in step count and since she has a longer stride she took less steps than me that's really weird though that's and i can understand maybe like if we didn't have our phones on us because it has to rely on but i had my phone in my pocket and so did she hmm so strangeness all around that is really weird yeah it's really weird apple watch woes (laughs) so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about a little bit was travel, because I know that um, I've seen your pictures on Twitter about, you know, trips to London and, and other places. So are you a travel fanatic? I like to travel and it's something that my partner and I are, are trying to do more of, um, especially that was kind of a goal for us a couple of years ago. And really, both of us are self-employed. Um, we have ever since her and I have been together, which has been about five years now, both of us have been self-employed in some capacity. So, you know, I contract and consult for eTech. I run App Factor. She is a real estate broker. So she sells homes and she is licensed in Indiana and Michigan and she is a multi-million dollar producer and she sells a lot of houses and we both work a lot. So for us and anyone that's self-employed, it's like if you're not working, you're not making money. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really hard to turn that off. And for us, I can't just take a vacation and sit at home. Number one, I'll go stir crazy. Number two, we'll kill each other. So it turned into let's, you know, we really want to travel. That's always been something we've really both wanted to do. And we've done it in past, you know, before we dated, but that's just something that we really enjoy doing. So we started taking, we take about one or two trips a year. I love London. So we typically go to London at least once a year. Um, This past year, we went to um, London, Amsterdam, Brussels, Bruges, and Paris with um, my best friend and her husband. And that was a blast. We went like over New Year's. Um, It was kind of sad because we've been in London for the past several New Year's. So it was kind of weird. Like we we said last year, we're just going to stay home for New Year's this coming year. And it was kind of sad. Like I was like, I feel kind of like this isn't right. Like not being in London for New Year's. But so we just we plan trips and that's our way to like get away. Because like we will like actually 
explore places and you know we love like history and just like learning about different places and doing those types of things and we won't work if we do that Mm -hmm. and actually we have a rule where we're not allowed to take our laptops we can take ipads now we haven't discussed whether or not i'm allowed to take the ipad pro and a keyboard case because that could put me in the same position as a laptop could potentially so we'll see we have another trip coming up in april so um we'll, we'll see what i'm allowed to take with me so yeah we just we we travel a lot for leisure i travel a lot for work too um most of those are more domestic at this point but we'll see i don't i don't mind it i i mind it less when it's you know obviously personal stuff i like that but for mm. work sometimes it gets a little i was traveling a lot towards the end of the year so it was kind of exciting when i looked in my southwest app and i didn't have any upcoming flights for the rest of the year and then i had some so i was <laughs> like damn it almost so but yeah it's just kind of one of those things that that's that's a that's a getaway for us and a way for us to kind of turn it off and i think my my partner's mentality is like if i leave the country no one can call me. So, mm. <laughs> you know, so that's just kind of been our, we do it about one, once or twice a year. We just go on at least for 10 days, two weeks. Sometimes our trip in last year was a little long. It was like 18, 19 days. That was a long trip. So, and I was ready to come home. I missed my Sheba and my golden retriever and, you know, we missed our pets and that was a little, a little long. Yeah, I'm 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 a little bit anxious about this trip at the end of the, of the end of January because it's you know, it's a, we're going to Orlando for uh well, I guess we'll be there th- four nights. Um and we're going to go see Harry Potter World mm-hmm. and um and then we're driving down to Orlando to go on a 7-day cruise with a bunch of my uh friends and coworkers and um and then we you know we fly home on on the 11th day and I'm just like I don't know I'm, I'm going to be going to be really really ready to come home 11 days is a pretty good time that's a little over a week which sometimes like with I feel like just going for a week especially if there's a lot of like transportation travel you feel like your vacation's really short yeah that's true um so you'd be surprised it'll probably go by pretty quick i think it will and it's it's a lot of people i really enjoy who i don't get to see very often and um that's it, good with remote stuff too yeah people that work remote you need that that connection you know what i mean yeah oh i absolutely do it's um it's it's vital it really is it's vital Um, it's it's easy to get I don't want to say forgotten about but like when you're one of you know and and especially like in my situation there's people working in an office environment mm -hmm. most of them like 99% do and there's only like a couple of us that are remote so it's very easy for us to be like hey guys hello I'm here you know we're over here can someone call us and tell us what we're doing today or you know not really we're pretty independent but you know that's why I don't really mind going to Kansas City as much as I do or, you know, and if I ever say, hey, guys, I would like to be there for a week to do some catch up, you know, they're always really cool with that. But yeah, yeah, it can get hard, especially like even when you're on a team and you're working together and you're doing calls together and you're like in, I don't know, like a Google Doc uh, making edits together and chatting and that kind of thing. There's just still a layer of abstraction there. And it's nice to to be able to like poke someone in the arm and be like you really like you really do exist like I can tell that you're real it was two years before I met Renee on iMore wow 
Yeah, I don't think... Well, the first time I met any of them was the first time I went to CES, which I think was in, like, end of... Well, it would have been beginning of 2012. And I'd been at iMore at that point for three, two, three years. Yeah. So that's the first time I met Renee or Kevin or anyone from Mobile Nations. And then I didn't meet Georgia until release notes in October of this year. After you weren't at iMore anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I saw her. And first of all, for those that know Georgia Dow, Georgia is so tiny in real life. I expected her to be like my height. She's like a head shorter than me. I was like, yeah. oh, she's, am, you're like tiny size. Yeah. It's like she's a tiny Georgia. She's about my height. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like not prepared. I was like, whoa, you're really a lot smaller than I thought you were. So, I mean, I'm 5'7", which I guess is about average height for a female. But um, yeah, I was like, how is this ironic? Like I finally meet Georgia and I'm not even at IMOR anymore. But Aww. I still love all the people over at IMOR and, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about them. I never met, I never met Serenity, but I, I think that'll probably happen at some point, whether it's a dub dub or some other conference. So yeah, Seren- Serenity is great too. I got to meet her at Coco Love in Philadelphia in I think September. Um, and she's been on the show. Um, George has also been on the show. Um, so, but it was nice to be able to, you know, to just sit and talk for a little bit and be like, Hey, we're real people. You know, I don't know. I do that a lot. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, we all was, do that a lot, though. It was very strange. I still have I'm, I have a very good friendship with um, Leanna Lofty, and I don't know if you remember her from iMore many years ago. Um, and I still see her occasionally. She's at Apple. And, um, you know, so every time we go out to California, I make it a point to, you know, try to hook up with Leanna and like try to see the people that, you know, I feel like I worked with these people for so long. And then it's like you really do exist. Like you're not mm-hmm. a unicorn. so and they probably think i'm a unicorn i don't know i'm okay with that (laughs) unicorns are pretty yeah yeah so and we're mythical and we hang out in corners and no one sees us so so one last thing before i let you go i know i said travel is the last thing but um since i work from home and you work from home and your partner works from home and my husband works from home um i was wondering if you had any work from home tips for people (laughs) um i actually and maybe i'll Uh, I'll send you a link to this. I wrote an article. I actually, when I started working from home about two and a half years ago is when I sold my consulting business, when I had an actual storefront and office and started working specifically for iMore, I developed some anxiety issues. So that was my big thing that I had to overcome with work from home. And I actually just recently wrote an article on Medium about that. I didn't post it on App Factor. It didn't really belong there. But, you know, I think it's something that's not talked about a lot. Um, and it's something that's becoming a lot more prevalent in people that work from home because you really do kind of need that contact. My partner, I don't think has had much of an issue with it because she does, she can go to an office. So she Mm. works for Century 21 and she spends a lot of time meeting with clients at showings, um, listing appointments. So she's out and about quite a bit. Um, I sit behind a computer a lot. So for me, I think it's vital if you do work from home to get out of the house. So I sometimes will break up my day and either go to the gym or go to Starbucks and work from there. Or just remember that like, since I do work from home, I don't always have to start at 8am. So if it's really nice out, maybe my partner and I will go for a walk and start our day later and just work a little later. So I, I've been trying to take advantage of more of the benefits that working from home offers instead of focusing on like, you know, the 
the the negatives and the cons because there are some and some people think oh it would be great to work from home it is in some aspects and I love that I can take a vacation when I want and I can work when I want and if I want I can sleep in but you also don't think about the negative sides of if you sleep till 10 a.m then you're like crap I have so much stuff to do and you know then you start feeling pressure to do that so I Mm -hmm. think it's good to learn balance um and since both of you work from home I definitely would you know, get out sometimes and, you know, work separate places. Or sometimes I even go grocery shopping in the middle of the day. Number one, no one's there. Isn't it nice? <laughs> yeah. And number two, it just, it gets me out of the house. So yep. I think the biggest thing is remembering to get out. One of my good friends is a massage therapist and she did, um, she did physical therapy for uh, a doctor for like two days a week. And she stopped doing that because she had so many massage clients and she just, she makes more money doing that. And, you know, I never really, she called me one day and she said, Ellie, I think I just had a, a panic attack. And I'm like, what? And then she started kind of telling me about how she hadn't left the house. And I'm like, okay, you are working from home now. So, and I didn't really think about it, but even being a massage therapist, people don't typically talk during a massage. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she really has, you know, and then she's at home. She does it from home. She has like a a studio in her house. So it's like, yeah, you're really not getting out and you're really not getting like, you know, per se human contact. So I think anxiety is a huge struggle for people that work from home. And I think it's going to become more prevalent as companies start to realize it's cheaper to have remote employees. So, you know, I think that you just have to do different things and structure is important. So even though I don't have to get up, any particular time, I get up at seven o'clock every day. So, you know, I I have set times that I get up. I have set times that I want to be done working by. That doesn't always seem to happen. So, you know, but I try, I try my hardest to stick to that. And my partner kind of does too. And, you know, with her job, it's a little bit harder because, you know, when do people want to see houses when they get off work? Off work. Yeah. Or on the weekends. So that's what I think makes it hard. And especially like we live in a very touristy area, um, as in where this is where Illinois people come to vacation in the summer. And we're pretty much from May, like Memorial Day to Labor Day. That's when my partner makes all of her money. That's when she's the busiest she'll be all year. And it's like she'll come home mid-July. I'm like, who are you? Right. (laughs) I haven't seen you in a month. I don't remember. Yeah. So, you know, it, at that point, it gets to the point to where it's like, we can, we'll never be able to take a vacation in like the middle of the summer. Like we know that. So it's important, you know, to kind of figure out when you can do that stuff and make time for it. And we have rules, like there are certain nights where like after a certain time, you know, if it's a date night or if it's anything else where we're just spending time with each other, like no phones, no Apple watches, no, no anything like that. So I think that's important too, especially both of you work from home. It's really hard to, I think, be aware and be conscious of the fact that you're spending more time with devices than you are the person in front of you. Yep. Yeah. We, um, so I've worked from home since April of 2014 and then Justin started working from home a couple of months after that. And for me, the hardest part is actually, finding the line between work and home. Um, you know, and so I do things like I have an office, I try to work, you know, make sure work stays in the office or, you know, like the kitchen table, um, you know, and, and not work anywhere in the house. Um, but that like, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. And I have a standing desk and there are days where, um, cause I, I also have chronic illness. So there are some days where standing up at the desk all day is not feasible for me. So, you know, trying, trying to work that out too. Um, but yeah, that, that like, 
I'm going to, I'm going to work from, I don't know, 10 to six every day is fine. It doesn't really matter when I work, but having that hard cut off is sometimes really, really hard for me. Cause you're not leaving an office. Yeah. Yeah. It follows you. And if you don't finish something or you get interrupted, it's like, oh, I can just come back to it. And sometimes like if, you know, we're laying in bed and, you know, Heather's watching something I don't particularly find any interest in, it's easy for me to pick up my iPad and say, oh, well, I'll just finish these show notes or do whatever while I'm sitting here. And really it's like, I'm not ever turning my mind off. Right. So, and that's a problem. And mm-hmm. it's a problem a lot of people have. So, and it makes it really hard to fall asleep and get enough sleep. And so those are things like we've really been trying to get better about because working from home, it it, it can take a toll mentally yeah. and physically. And I actually kind of miss commutes for that reason too, because... I used to have a 45 minute one way commute every, you know, every morning and every night. And, um, and so that was just time, quiet time, right? You know, I'd listen to podcasts and I'd stop thinking about work and then I'd get home and, you know, and, and that was nice to have. And so trying, you know, I've at various times tried to find ways to kind of build that into my day, like, um, having some transition times where it, it kind of helps me create a separation, so, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it was hard. I, it took me a long time. Like when my doctor first brought up anxiety, I was like, okay, <laughs> no, I'm not anxious. But then like, I, it's kind of started adding up. It's like, wow, I never turn my brain off and I'm in front mm-hmm. of a computer and I don't, you know, and then it started getting like when I, when I was out doing things or it was like, things would get really overwhelming really fast. And it's like, oh, well that's because I don't have this contact as much as I should. So it's, it's very easy to do that. And I think, you know, anybody that's thinking about working from home or is just starting to work from home, you have to remember that because otherwise it can be a slippery slope. I think. Yep. Yeah. We both work from a coffee shop like twice a week and that helps so much, so much. And they know your orders. Uh, they do, but they discontinued my, they discontinued Justin's. So now we're trying to figure out what his (sighs) is. Yeah, I want us to get more coffee shops. We don't have a lot around us. We have like maybe two or three and I rotate between one of them is Starbucks. So it's kind of I like I like Starbucks from the fact that it's consistent and I can go to a Starbucks here or in downtown London and get the exact same thing. And I know I know what I'm getting. So I do like it from that standpoint. And I think that's why they're so popular. Yeah. But, you know, I like local places and we have a really cool place here called Lakeshore Coffee. And I really like it's like, you know, all wood beachy inside and there's two levels and it's just a really cool atmosphere. And I like going there and working, too. But, you know, sometimes craft coffee houses can get loud and noisy and, you know, then I feel bad taking up a table for four hours. So, yeah, (laughs) but I, I try to do the same thing about two times a week. Yeah. 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 We even talked about opening a co-working space because they don't really exist in our part of the Phoenix Valley and like stuff. That, That's yeah. funny you say that. Yeah. Terry and I, my partner, were talking about that. There's not really any around here, but there's a lot of people that work from home. So um, we thought about that, too. We were actually talking the other day. We we're like, let's try to find a building. And see if we could do that and, you know, turn it into a decent space. And that's becoming pretty popular. I think Dave Chartier um, from 1Password posted something on, or I guess he's not at 1Password now. I don't, he does his own thing, Finder Tech. And I think um, he posted something a while back on Twitter about doing a co-op in Chicago. So, and they're getting really big in like urban areas. Mm Mm-hmm. There's one in San Diego. So my husband went to, my husband and I went to San Diego for a week. Um, for our wedding anniversary, 
last year and um it was amazing it was really really nice um to just kind of like have that space and be able to work and um be in San Diego and not in Phoenix <laughs> so yeah um but yeah we just there's there's one in I live in Gilbert um but okay. Phoenix is basically just one big city you know the metro area is just there's no delineation um other than the street street signs change um yeah and but there's there you know there's one in Gilbert but um it was like the lights were really harsh and in my face and I left for the day and had a headache. And so I was like, no, let's, let's not do this again. But I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting problem. And I think that, um, yeah, like you say, as more and more people are working from home, it's going to be interesting to see what solutions there are. Mm -hmm. I think so. For now, for me, it's, it's yoga. you know, doing other things and just kind of making sure that I break up my day, but then I'm still somewhat structured. So, and I know, I know my, my girlfriend has this thing I call the look and I can tell like if we're doing, I'm the type of person where I zone out completely when I'm on like my phone or my iPad, I don't even hear what's going on around me, which is great when I need to be focused and, you know, write 2000 words or whatever, or get a project done. But when it comes to like, paying attention to her and doing something else, it doesn't happen. So I get, I will just look up and it's like, could bore right through me. So, you know, and it's like, Ooh, I know I need to set my phone down. So, you know, but she, she can sit and actually like, you know, write a couple emails and do things and still know, like, I can't watch TV and be on my iPad at the same time. Every five minutes, I'm like, can you rewind that? I don't. And she's like, just put the iPad down, please. (laughs) Because I can't, she can do that. She can pay attention to two things at once. I just can't. I'm, I will zone out with one or the other. So yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Yeah. People that can do multiple things, I smite them because I wish I could do that. But, you know, I wish I could watch a TV show and still be productive and, you know, because I'd watch TV all day while I work. So, but that's probably not healthy either. But I would probably try to do it if I could. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't think people multitask as well as they think they do. No. And then I feel like you're doing one thing or the other, not, you know, of exceptional quality. So it's like, it's kind of a watered down. I don't know if I could do that. If my content would be as sharp, if I was doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Allie, is there anything else you'd like to talk today? Talk to talk about today? Um, I don't think so. I don't, I think we touched on pretty much the plethora of things I do around the web. We did. So where can people find you online? Um, I am at iMuggle on all of the things. So um, as you can tell, I'm a Harry Potter fan. So uh, Facebook, no, not Facebook, I guess, but Instagram, Twitter, iMuggle is my screen name on all of those. And then, of course, on the appfactor.com. Well, you can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. And if you have feedback, suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest, uh, please reach out. You can go to relay.fm slash LTOE and fill out the contact form or, you know, tweet at me or whatever. Um, If you have a few minutes, it'd be great if you'd leave a review or a star rating on iTunes. It really helps people find the show and know that it's good. Thanks for listening. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.